All right, humans, welcome to Star Wars Episode 7, The Force Awakens, commentary by the Bizzle for the Bizzle cast. Not much needs to be said for this. This is a movie that had ridiculous expectations and ended up making more money than the original Star Wars, inflation adjusted. It has some flaws, but as is the case with my commentary, it gets better as it goes along and gets better with each rewatching. And when you listen to this commentary... Hopefully you'll get to the point about halfway through where I'm like, God damn, this movie's even better than I remember it. I hadn't seen it since the movie theater. So it's been nine, eight, you know, uh, ten months or so since I've seen it. I, I absolutely love the casting and the characterization. JJ nails it. It's possible this will be the highest grossing Star Wars movie ever. It doesn't matter. Uh, because we'll get Rogue One in Episode A, but this sets it all up. And the fact that it has so many tropes from the original Star Wars, the Desert Planet, the Death Star clone, you know, it, it, but it's just you're so invested with the characters that you go with it. So, you know, they reset things. They got people involved. They made almost a billion domestically, which had never happened before. Um, and it's worldwide totals with re-releases is going to end up being the highest ever. Daisy Ridley, John Boyega, you know, Adam Driver, and the original cast of Han, Leia, and Luke just absolutely kill it. I'm going to jump right into this. I just want to say that, you know, as I'm watching the movie, I'm a little silent early on, or, or, or you know, sparing in my words, because I, I'm just you know, reliving theatrical experience. But once the adventure gets going and Han Solo shows up, goddamn, from then until the end, which is really most of the movie, it it, it is Star Wars. And you can tell that J.J. grew up a fan of Star Wars. As much as I love his Star Trek movies, you know, this is a work of love for him and everyone involved. So cue up your digital files or DVDs or Blu-rays or whatever you got going on. I'm going to count it down to zero. You should put on subtitles. Definitely some ambient uh, sound to get the music of John Williams. God bless him for still being alive and creating incredible themes, especially the new Ray theme, as I'll talk about. Get a little ambient sound going. going to count it down. So... Cue everything up. I'll give you a second here. All right, and here we go. Get ready for the countdown. I'm going to say three, two, one, go. And when I say go, you should hit play on your uh, digital file or uh, other hardware. So here we go. Three, two, one, go. All right, ladies and gentlemen of the Bizzlecast, welcome to the Bizzlecast film commentary for Star Wars Episode 7, The Force Awakens, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. I did uh, at least one preview podcast um, with my buddies and co-contributors leading up to this movie, and I did at least one review after the movie. It's hard to believe it was almost a year ago, um, and it took them forever to release it. I think, I, I got it within the last month or two as of September, um, and now all the talk is about the Rogue One uh, Star Wars uh, standalone story coming out in a few months from now this Christmas, which I think is going to top this in terms of cool factor, as great as The Force Awakens is. I liked but did not love this on first viewing, but by my second and third viewing, had really fallen in love with the movie, mainly because of the characters. Um, I did, you know, think J.J. Abrams as director and writer did very, very well, but it, it was really the main cast uh, that that nabbed me on 
on this one and kept me coming back for more. Um, I haven't actually rewatched this in full since the theater, so this is going to be an interesting uh, exercise for me. Although I remember, you know, most of the scenes very vividly. You know, if there's one thing that Star Wars has always known how to do, whether it's Lucas or Abrams or whoever, it's uh, paint v- vivid memories in your brain. So we got the, you know, the scrolling text, which I'm still not really sure how they get that angle, uh, especially back in the 70s and 80s, how they did that. You knew there was going to be tons of tributes just from a filmmaking standpoint this entire time. Um, and indeed, the, you know, camera panning down from space to some object, whether a spaceship or a planet, we see, I think, in every Star Wars movie. And then we get the shadow of the Star Destroyer. This is an exact mirror of the, the opening uh, scene in the original Star Wars movie from 77, in New Hope, where you see the Corvette, as they call it, the long skinny ship that had Leia on it, and then the Star Destroyer that come out from the top of the screen in full daylight, uh, which makes no sense. This makes more sense and is a lot more scary. Uh, we knew coming into this, we knew a lot coming into this, although considering it's Star Wars, they did keep a lot of stuff under wraps that you never would have thought. We immediately see, just by the way they move and shake it around, the stormtroopers are real people, uh, and, you know, get scared, and, and in fact, you know, a combination of, of fear and disgust uh, turns one of them, um, played by John Boyega will later be known as Finn. There's BB-8. Everyone was excited about the droid, you know, coming into it, the soccer ball droid. And so here we go. This is world building stuff here. This guy is some sort of, uh, you know, Max Fancetta is the actor, of course. He's a legend. He's probably like 90 years old now. Right. Without Jedi, there can be no balance in the force. So if he's not a Jedi, he's certainly a friend. And there's a line coming up here where he talks about Right, the general, to me, she's royalty. She certainly is that. Talking about Princess Leia. Right into the action. This is what's great, you know. I mean, J.J. did not hesitate to to just get this thing going. Oscar Isaac, both his clothing and his haircut and just his look, I mean, looks just straight out of the original series. Yeah, you have to leave. Go. Mm-hmm. So, amazingly, we get introduced to all of the major characters, uh, the big four at least, plus BB-8 in this first scene, other than Ray. We just met Oscar Isaac, who plays Poe Dameron, the head X-Wing pilot, and all-around cool dude. We see people actually getting killed and shot. You don't normally see that in Star Wars. And, uh, you know, we're going to see Kylo Ren, of course, and then we'll see... Um, well, he doesn't have a name yet, but but John Boyega, who's going to be Finn. That was a nice little touch, pulling the droid up from below. So anyways, you guys have probably seen this a whole bunch, and maybe listened to podcasts or, or director's commentaries and and so forth, but... I'm going to try and bring a few new things to the table here, because I kind of agree with the flaws that most people have pointed out about this movie. 
And so I, I wanted to talk about sort of th- this being the continuation, but also the beginning of a new Star Wars legacy and how, you know, J.J. Abrams, a director and writer, co-writer, had to do so much world building uh, with this movie. Um, it's it's like Joss Whedon with the Avengers movies, you know? He can't just make an Avengers movie. He has to set up all the solo stuff. A chip looked a little different from a USB drive. I'll come back for you. Right. They love their droids. We never really understand why. The droids' code of ethics are very much from Isaac Asimov's Three Laws. But, you know, they seem to uh, emote more than, than their programming would suggest. Right. To put the blood on the head, to identify it. You know even while it's happening. They're interesting designs, the Stormtrooper uh, stuff. I mean, I think from a distance and sort of like on the page, it's a cooler design and there's much more, you know, movement, makes more sense. They're not as wooden, right? He can really run around, look around. He's running from it. Does Poe see it now? Oh, no, he sees the giant Kylo Red shuttle. This is great. Yeah. When in doubt in Star Wars, just make it longer or stack more on top of one another, like with the Star Destroyers, so... You know, it's interesting. You know, people talk about you know whether you like the prequels, whether you hate the prequels, you know, whether you like Revenge of the Sith a little bit and hate the other ones, whatever your place is. You know, it's it's pretty much agreed that the, the fatal flaw of the prequels is just that it's impossible to do prequels. I mean, we saw it with the Hobbit movies; it was just you know such a drop off in quality and coolness factor, uh, coolness factor, and interest from the original Lord of the Rings movies. It's not that they can't be done well; it just never really happened. The the voice of Adam Driver as put through this computer effect is, is fantastic. Um, I, I guess the irony of the mask is he's doing it to imitate Darth Vader, but he's nothing really to cover up. He's a great-looking guy. But then he does get slashed across the face. So it'll be interesting to see if you know he uses the mask going forward to, to hide Ray's um, gash. Yep. I think I knew early on, if not before the movie, I can't remember that that Kylo Ren was was Skywalker. I think that might have slipped out. Here we go. Boom. The uh, broadsaber, as they call it, which actually makes a lot of sense, you know. No, this is great. Look at the, just hovering in the air. You know, the broadsaber only makes sense if you don't know about medieval weaponry, because the whole idea of what they call the cross guard, the thing that makes it look like a cross by where the hilt is, the handle, is so that, you know, if you're fighting another sword fighter, look at him the way he moves his head here. He's trying to read his mind. Or maybe not, maybe. <laughs> you talk first? I talk first? Yeah, oh, man, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> Oscar Isaac. So what a smart ass! Yeah, get a little bit of uh, a little bit of Xboxy cockiness. Okay, so this Gwendolyn Christie from uh, uh, I think it's her name from Game of Thrones, who does fine. We never see her. I'm assuming we will see her at some point in the second movie. Here, they're just killing civilians. Yeah, I mean, you know. We knew they were going to kill people in these movies, you know? I mean, it's Start Wars, and in the new one, Rogue One coming out later this year, that's certainly going to be the case. 
you know that's John Boyega, if you know anything leading into this. And considering it made over $2 billion worldwide, it sold billions of merchandise, billions of dollars worth of merchandise. I think everyone knew that that was John Boyega. And it's just a matter of how they're going to set it up. Oh, this is a great shot. Boom. <laughs> you must, I mean, the thing is, not, not only was Kylo Ren holding. Oh, man, there goes the X-Wing. Not only was Kylo Ren holding the, the laser beam in midair, but he was doing tons of other things while holding it there, including trying to talk to, to talk to Poe Dameron. So this is, you know, very similar to R2 and uh, um, C-3PO in both the original Star Wars and then the beginning of Return of the Jedi when they're back on Tatooine towards Jabba's palace uh, to try and rescue Han where they all like get kidnapped and that's part of the plan i love it you know uh, i think part of this is going to be a defensive return of the jedi i i happen to like the ewoks a lot um but not from the, the reasons that maybe you think i love the opening thing against jabba uh, um the rescue mission is brilliantly executed i don't think we had seen adventure fair sci-fi or otherwise like that before that happened Everyone says Empire Strikes Back is the best, and and from a dramatic standpoint, I agree. But other than the asteroid field, um, and then you know, great sets, design, and execution with with Vader and Luke fighting, I guess maybe Dagobah with Yoda. You know, it was much more atmospheric in its uh, in its contributions to the the genre or the meta genre. Right, the fact that they would want to mind wipe him it seems okay so let me put some ground rules out here (laughs) i have never read a star wars book from beginning to end okay i have never read a star wars comic book i don't believe or that's not true but it's been like 20 years and and it was about like you know what this universe was like 30 or 500 years ago I was following this very closely, the same way I, f- I followed the prequels very closely, and was ultimately disappointed by the prequels, still Star Wars. There seemed to be a code emerging um, with this movie. Let's put it this way, that there are various levels of spoilers, and how to communicate to people at the various levels. You know, I mean, I think there's at least three. There's non-spoilers, there's full spoilers, and then there's things which may give you more information than you want and can extrapolate from it, but isn't actually confirming an event or a, a character. So here's the the final and, you know, easily most important of them all with this amazing theme. On a Celeste, I think, is it? Now it's on a piano. Uh, Ray's theme. I have it on my phone. I sometimes use it as a ringtone. I sometimes use it as an alarm. Totally fits her, you know, you know. Sensitive and cute and sweet on the inside, but ridiculous inner strength, mostly by necessity. Like Luke, I think, you know, and like most people being forced to live a hard life, at least for part of your life, is going to give you a uh, most nice little lot. Uh, move from uh, practical CGI is going to give you a nice little, you know, education (laughs) in how rough the world can be, but if you can preserve your goodness. And in fact, you know, at least so far, I think they're going to complicate this with her in episode eight, but for this first movie, Daisy Ridley as Rey, 
It never, ever considers doing the wrong thing. The only time she briefly does the wrong thing is when she runs from Masquinadas and starts crying in the forest when she could be helping her friends fight, but that's just an emotional breakdown, and she immediately recovers from it and tries to help her friends. So, you know, she's living on a very Tatooine esque planet. They do try and emphasize that it's a little bit rockier and not just sand dunes, I think was smart. I love this. I l- these moments, look at this. She's seeing herself in, in 60, 80 years, and then the slave master starts yelling at her. But she's looking at that woman, you know, who's so wrinkled, who's been doing this, you know, for 80, 90 years, but has still a look of, of vitality on her face, you know? I'm, and, and Daisy Ridley, as Ray, is actually smiling, smiling for a moment when she studies that woman. She must have seen that woman a million times, but just, you know, sometimes you just connect with a person at a moment when you're not expecting to, even if they don't know that you're connecting. All right, this is a callback to the, the two uh, sons of Tatooine and, and Luke at the uh, water moisture farm. So I'm going to mess up some of the alien names. Right, it's like she's in prison. She's counting the days. I'm going to mess up some of the alien names, but the head slave master who said, like, you know, one quarter portion or whatever. They really did this, by the way, this, this special effect. You know, things like this, that J.J. Abrams, boom, look at that, the bread forming. I think they actually physically did that, yeah. Or, you know, they, they, they it was sort of a, a transposition of practical to CG to practical. Anyways, little things like that is why we knew that this movie was going to be at least good and cool and entertaining. This was all practical. Look at this. They built that thing she's sitting against. Who knows how much desert's actually out there. I think that's probably a green screen. Oh, man, look how cute she is. You know, you've never seen anything like that. I mean, Carrie Fisher, as Princess Leia, you know, forever, has been, you know, gorgeous and badass and sexy and cool and smart and just rocket. But, you know, this is the first time we've seen cute. And I think it was so smart to make Rey cute and tough. Unfortunately for Star Trek Beyond, uh, their new uh, semi-lead female character, uh, Jayla was a little too similar to Ray, as Maddie G pointed out. We'll get back to those comparisons in a second. This is a great design, this, like, metallic, polygonal uh, rhino. And yet, you really can't tell what's what's practical and what's not. I was going to say about the big boss man early on, who was actually the one who I think agreed to sort of half take care of her, half enslave her, uh, when whoever her parents were dropped her off, probably by necessity, she's fixing his antenna. You know, the CG on his face is not great. You know, I've seen the Lord of the Rings movies so many times. The practical makeup on the orcs and goblins ha- has just not been surpassed by CGI. You can do it at mid-range distances or long distances, but... Short range, you know, right up on the face, you you just can tell that it's not real. Now, when you blend it, no, <laughs> they had to make her be slightly Luke whiny, but it's you know, she's struggling too because she, she she already loves the dread. Uh, yeah, I mean Daisy Ridley. It, Carrie Fisher was from like royal, you know, royalty or whatever, Hollywood royalty. She comes from an acting family. Daisy Ridley did not, 
but it's similar in the sense of they just recognize a young woman's talent who can immediately step in to the great, you know, the biggest and baddest, I should say, you know, in the good way, biggest and baddest, the greatest, the most successful movie franchise of all time in Star Wars, and immediately put in an Academy Award level performance. Speaking of Academy Award level performance, Mr. Oscar Isaac here has been nominated at least once, I believe. Nope. No one has been able to get out of you what you did with your map. What I like with the high, you know, the very first line on the scroll at the beginning was Luke Skywalker's missing or whatever. You know the maps to Luke. And I like that that's really the mission behind all of this. And yet it becomes a story that has nothing to do with Luke until the end. I mean, it drives up Kylo Ren's desires to find that map. Will not be intimidated by you, but, you know, eventually it becomes about Rey when he realizes what or who she could be. We, we saw this in the trailer. God is Oscar Isaac good. He's such a chameleon dramatically and how he looks uh, it's amazing this is a this is the x machina team right here oh my god uh, you, you got gleason and uh and isaac 10 feet from each other in completely reversed roles you know gleason is the the hapless caleb who at least for a while appears to be getting tricked and manipulated by the, you know, mega billionaire, super genius, played by Oscar Isaac, Nathan. Okay, so here's the guy. Let me get a look at his face again. It's not bad. You know, it's really not bad. And actually, a lot of people complain about Masquinata, not the performance. We all love Lupita, but the the, the uh, CG. Um, we'll take a look at it later. I didn't have a problem with it. For, I'm always saying, if it looks cool and, and it works with the drama, it, and it's appealing to look at, even if it's ugly then go for it. 60 portions. You know, this could feed her for a year, based on what we saw earlier. I think that was the calculation. It's a year's worth of food. Or this droid. Actually, the droid's not for sale. It's funny, Daisy Ridley talks like she's faking an English accent, even though she's fully English. She sounds like Kira Knightley in this sort of get the droid. Boom. She's, she's a bit of a Keira Knightley uh, inflection or intonation in her voice, does Daisy Ridley. But whereas, you know, they love Keira Knightley in, like, uh, Victorian age colonial, you know, outfits. Ridley looks best and, you know, all dirtied up. This is a rescue. I'm helping you escape. Can you fly a TIE fighter? You with the resistance. What? No, no. I'm breaking you out. <laughs> So, um, they said, apparently Oscar Isaac said he played this role a little gay. You need a pilot. Yeah. And the music goes out. Brilliant. I love it. I'm in. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We're going to do this. Yeah. They're already buddies. It's great. I mean, the thing is, you know, you, d you don't get to be the lead X-Wing pilot, one of the, you know, the generals of the Resistance, without being smart and know what's going on. And he knows that there's a thing called the First Order. You know, they take kids from a young age and turn them into these you know stormtrooper killers they're not clones they're actual people but they're kidnapped and so you know he puts together really quickly looking into this guy's eye 
So yeah, they're immediately buddies, and you immediately buy it. And <laughs> this is very complicated. <laughs> Boom. This looks fantastic. I'm not sure it looks... Uh, General Hux, that's Gleason. Um, you know, I'm not sure this looks ten years better than uh, the prequels. The explosions are much more practical and convincing. So the hard thing with Star Wars, you know, is the color of, of laser fire, right? So the bad guys, the stormtroopers, for the most part, fire red lasers. And then Darth Vader, of course, and, and Kylo Ren have red lightsabers. The good guys' guns are, I think, green or blue. You know, you got Luke's blue lightsaber. We see the blue one here, and then uh, the green lightsaber. But the X-Wings fire red. This was always fun, you know, growing up playing games like TIE Fighter and X-Wing. I mean, that's what they were called. You just flew TIE Fighters and X-Wings on amazing missions. You're always flying around close to the ship. Yeah, taking out turrets and stuff like that as part of the mission. Yes. (laughs) Did you see the... Yeah, you know, some purists thought, you know, that Boyega uh, in particular played his lines... uh, (laughs) What? That Boyega played his his lines to... uh, you know, modern, but I, th- to me, that's what distinguishes the movie is that you know, we're in this universe, we recognize the characters, the technology, the scenario, but it sounds like 2016 and not 1977. It should be pointed out that as much money as the original Star Wars made, if you put it in the inflation calculator, it would make slightly under $2 billion today. So this actually made more in the theater than the original Star Wars, and that includes re-releases, at least one or two of uh, of the original Star Wars. Now that sold a ton on, you know, VHS and now DVD and Blu-ray. Fire missiles. Yep, this was all in the video game too, and to take out the stuff specifically for this reason, so it wouldn't nail you. And, like, you know, one of the great tricks, if you've ever played any kind of space battle game, is, you know, you let the missile come after you, and then you turn, and then you head, you know, straight for the capital ship or whatever. And then the last minute, you swerve away and hope that the missile hits the uh, the Star Destroyer. This is really the first time, uh, maybe since the original TIE Fighter battle of the Millennium Falcon with Luke and, and Han, that, that we feel this kind of kinetic, uh, fun uh, space uh, Flying. <laughs> you gotta be kidding me. Yeah, yeah. He's he's a, he's a brainwashed uh, right F N two one eight seven. He's a brainwashed stormtrooper who uh, knows who Luke Skywalker is. That's how famous Luke Skywalker is. I thought that was a cool touch. Headed back to Jakku. Yeah, it's interesting that they had... Why am I blanking? Brendan Gleeson's his dad, you know? People complain that Gleeson, as as Hawks, you know, was extremely one-dimensional, but you need those characters within the Empire, or the remnants of the Empire. Oh, so yeah, so that's what I was getting to before, is, you know. The prequels were mess, but really it wasn't anything structural, um, in my opinion. Meaning, I think it's been 
there are some reasons why these prequel movies and prequel trilogies have failed. And some of it they have in common, and some of it is just sheer coincidence. A lot of it's hubris because it's the second time around or whatever, you know. Don't put the same effort or, or uh, innovation into it. Uh, but looking back, you know, it actually had a bigger challenge because it was in a relatively peaceful time. <laughs> that was a nice gag there. So Poe's officially dead if you thought he was in there. My my dad turned to me and he was like, is Oscar Isaac dead? I'm like, no, dad, don't worry. He's one of the main four or five characters. But, you know, the prequels had a greater challenge because, it, you know, you look back, you might not love the shiny ships, the canary ships, as I call them, and everything's so bright and shiny, but that's the whole point. was like, that was the Roman Empire at its peak. We are now in that, you know, that, so that was the Roman Empire at its peak. And then episodes four, five, and six of the, you know the original trilogy from seventy-seven to eighty-three. That was you know the barbarians storming the gate, and you know the Romans uh, taking away um, you know all freedoms, going to greater extremes, becoming more militaristic, and so forth. Then the empire is partially overthrown, and you end up with the Holy Roman Empire, which was like this you know nebulous uh, giant you know, Federation or or pseudo-empire in Central and Southern Europe that, like the uh, Byzantine Empire, you know, kept changing sizes and power and, and alliances and ultimately just broke up into tons of, of city-states and, and smaller countries. Right, program from birth. Yeah, I, this was cool though. I like that. I like that Hux went after Ren. I mean, Darth Vader. It, it was interesting if you watch the original New Hope and Darth Vader and all the, the evil Empire uh, generals are. Oh, this is great. I do think of Boyega is just so fun. I could just you know watch it forever. I love all of his choices. I, I think they must have given him a lot of freedom. It just seems too natural. And he's he is this energetic in real life. I mean, he's not this manic, but oh yeah, this pig creature is amazing. Yeah. And so it's like the middle of the first Star Wars, New Hope. It's sitting around the table, all the Empire generals and admirals, and you have um, Darth Vader, and you know one of the uh, the admirals, um, you know, makes a disparaging remark about Vader. Vader says, "You know, the power to destroy a planet is nothing compared to the power of the dark side." We can argue about that philosophy later. <laughs> He's about to go save her. What? No, I think she's okay. She's doing even way more fight training and, and muscle work. Um, they both are. Or did as they were shooting episode eight, which is already in the bag, I think, more than a year out, which is which brilliant gives them tons of time to do the CGI stuff and reshoots. So here it is, these three right here. Oh right, he he recognizes him as a uh, what does he rec- he he recognizes him just as a as a stormtrooper somehow. I always forget. Look at her, she's gonna kill him. <laughs> But he had been told, right, by, oh, boom. Boyega had been told by, by Poe, you know, about the droid. <laughs> the R2 move with the, with the shock. Oh, stole it. 
Wait, wait, wait. How did he steal it? Oh, the jacket. Yeah, I'm an idiot. I always forget. It's because he's wearing Poe's jacket. Poe Dameron. You know. So anyways, point being, we're in sort of the holy robot empire phase of Star Wars here. You know, and one of the biggest complaints is that, you know, people were so dissatisfied or just bored with the, you know, overly bloated and, you know, uh, unnecessarily complicated politics of the prequels they went completely the other way but they missed a you know a chance with a few lines here or there to explain what the fuck is going on i mean we just, you know carrie fisher with a small force and the good guys in general get blowed up again by another death star again the, the main complaint of this movie I, I, oh, I must, yes yes i'm the resistance I'm, i am in the resistance well this is what we look like some of us others look different <laughs> Look at her smiling about the secret mission. See, they're having fun. I think this is what's Luke Skywalker. I thought he was a myth. Makes no sense with the timeline, honestly. That he's a myth after, what, 30 years? Since the end of Return of the Jedi? That's all it takes. But as I've talked about with Manny G and others before, it's for this exact reason that that Luke has said it in the past in a different galaxy, so that it would be a different... Uh, technology, or I should say, set of um, technological uh, rules and uh, realities. Here we go. They're immediately on the adventure together. They don't have time to fully assess one another. He, of course, trusts her immediately, probably because he's just attracted to her at some level. They got the sniper rifles there. They're shooting at both of us. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's definitely, you know, Han and Leia stuff going on with the two of them. Uh-oh. Stop taking my hand, right? This is totally the... You know, she's so, so much tougher, more badass than him. remember seeing that shot in the trailer. Point being, they, they, they know the internet and communication is limited, and so, you know, her being so isolated, it's possible that she would see Luke as, as a legend or a myth in such a short amount of time. Are you okay? Again, she's annoyed. Yeah, I'm fine. <laughs> Are you okay? All right, follow me. You know, I mean, this is the beginning of the adventure. You know, we're just over half hour in. Star Trek is about the same. The, uh, the you know, when they're at the academy jo- joking around, and then all of a sudden they find out Vulcan's under attack, is about half hour in- into that movie. Boom! <laughs> the garbage will do. I think we all do this this comment. But there it is. Yep, there's the rebel music. Da, 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 da. John Williams, God bless him, cast this. He's not casting Rogue One. In fact, they've had two people cast Rogue One. Uh, I don't know if it's a complete redo or um, dual uh, act collaboration. I know that the new guy they got for Rogue One, Michael Giancarlo, or whatever the hell his name is, who's done the Star Trek soundtracks and, and, and is pretty brilliant himself. <laughs> I can do this, yeah. I can do this, I can do this. I love that, yeah. As I was saying before, they're having so much fun. Who cares about the technology scenario, you know? I mean, and then we find out that she thinks Han's a legend. Oh, this is great, you know. Just imagine the look on Han's face in her... Drop the ship all around. 
Oh, I never noticed that was the like sort of the the Chinese looking uh, red uh, arches there that they took down. That's mine. There they go. Then the Millennium Falcon. And, you know, pretty much the whole middle hour of this movie is involved with the Falcon and Han Solo and hopping between freighters and planets and so forth, right? We saw this amazing shooting from J.J. Abrams. As I've talked about before, uh, Abrams was somewhat restrained in this movie after you'd seen the Star Trek movies where he just went full on, you know, crazy camera angles, lens flares all over the place. You know, people make fun of him for the lens flares. I think the lens flares were great. I would have been cool with more of them. Uh, Having the gun underneath is interesting. A little development there. But, um... Yeah, so anyways, point being... The political situation is is very unclear. I assume that we're going to get more of this in, in Episode 8, because Rogue One takes place in the past, quote-unquote, so we're not going to get anything there. You know, it seems like a pretty definitive defeat. They blew up the Death Star and killed the Emperor and Vader, took out at least one Super Star Destroyer and probably others in the final battle of Return of the Jedi, which is 30 years before this. The notion was that there was still a lot of Imperial forces and they regrouped, you know, with guys like Hux. I guess Hux wouldn't have been old enough. Don't know Gleason, by the way, is his name. But, uh, you know, guys like Hux, like admirals that were still alive, you know, m- moved out to the the fringes of the galaxy and, and, and regrouped and became the Imperial Order, whatever the hell they call themselves now. And I think Lucas with the prequels was really trying to not <laughs> create just another empire, you know? He wanted the Old Republic to be something totally different. And I think, you know, because of the non-official canon of the eight, in the 80s and 90s, for <laughs> what? Right, here's a great move. Is this the same move as, uh... Yeah, this is how they enter into the Death Star, I think, when uh, Billy D. Williams is flying in. He turned the Jedi. Yeah, they got the trench run, the whole thing. The black uh, TIE fighter costumes look fantastic. So I think, you know, we assume the New Republic would be well in place. And then there'd be a new conflict. But it appears as if they've been fighting constantly since Return of the Jedi, which, you know, <laughs> is a sobering thought. And. Oh, boom. Nice one. Uh, it's a sobering thought, and, you know, maybe, I don't know, does it, you know, harm uh, the, the celebratory nature of the end of that movie to think that they were going immediately back into battle? It was still a huge victory getting rid of the Death Star and the Emperor, but here they are on the fringes. <laughs> what I like is, JJ with JJ's writing here, yeah, look at them. Yeah, there's an attraction. <laughs> oh, this is, this is a great series of gags where he's afraid BB-8 is going to give him up. BB-8, uh? <laughs> Oh, man, look at her. Finn. I'm Ray. <laughs> They're so cute. This is, yeah, he, no one's ever looked at, like, 
looked at him like this before. And he says that to her later, I think. Like, that was the first time anyone looked at me like, you know, like I'm a real human being. You know, it's not uncommon psychologically for people who are repressed. (laughs) You know, this is is the classic Darth Vader is going to strangle the guy, and that's not what happens. It's even better. You know, I don't think it's as easy as he has a crush on her. She's just a warm soul that he's never experienced before. Uh, Finn, that is. Not exactly, sir. It had help. Uh Uh-oh. Um no. Oh god. So he's pissed he's pissed about the stormtrooper who he he should I mean he detected something psychically as we saw earlier with with Fen. <laughs> and you think that's it? Uh, lets him go, causing this problem. Anything else? There was a girl, I think he says, right? Oh by a girl. <laughs> Boom, grabs him. Oh throw a crab. And this is the big, this is one of the big mysteries. <laughs> yeah, this is this is hard try to fix the uh the Falcon. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, doing commentary and watching this, it's almost like a play-by-play of scenes that are just, you know, reinterpreted with new characters and situations. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I can't speak that. Between us? I'm not the resistance, okay? <laughs> Right, BB-8. He's <laughs> negotiating with the droid who he can't even talk to or or understand. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Here comes the boom. Yeah, the lighter gag. That was hilarious. So apparently there is a uh, practical BB-8 somewhere. Yeah, she gets frustrated with him. So anyways, yeah, it's not it's not surprising that he get hypermanic after being you know, not even having a name and it seems almost impossible that he could have this level of emotion and emotiveness coming from where he's from, but you know. They came up with that idea early and it helps to humanize the bad guys a little bit. And so they said, Look, is it totally realistic? No, but it's Star Wars, so who cares? He's changed size. It's it's like Billy D. Williams, you know, like the complete, you know, sellout to Vader and that. <laughs> I love that he puts on her head. You know, completely sells that Han and Company, um, a Cloud City Empire. But then all of a sudden, Return of the Jedi. He's a full on good guy again. You know, that's that's just how they roll. Now he thinks it's the First Order. I don't know where he gets that idea from. Mmm, well, they're going to try and poison it. So the freighter scene, you know, it's probably my least favorite scene. I mean, it's kind of um, cushioned by the Han Solo and Chewbacca appearance. When they're coming right now. It actually feels a little Star Trek, a little out of place. And that's what I was going to say, was that this has the trademark J.J. wet, but it's not the same as the Star Trek wet. They may let 
Finn, and to a lesser extent Poe, act a little bit more modern and naturalistic. These guys are still acting like their old characters. Ray acts like a classic Star Wars character for the most part. I'm sure Luke will. <laughs> Where are the others? <laughs> They've got great chemistry, both of these two, with, with Han. But, you know, in the Star Trek reboots, other than Spock, who has to talk like, you know, Leonard Nimoy, they basically talk like like modern people. And it makes sense, because they're just a few hundred years in the future from our reality. I actually, or I should say Harrison Ford, I used to be, Harrison Ford did even way better than I was expecting. I had heard going into it that he was great, but he was even better than I was expecting. He really becomes like the fifth main character or whatever with his performance. Twelve. Parsecs, right. <laughs> Which makes no sense. Parsecs is a unit of distance, not of time. Oh, that's a great image. He looks so good. I don't know. Other than his thinning gray hair, to me, he, he's aged the least of the big three. Moof milker? <laughs> is that... Uh, they're teasing they're teasing that she's the, their daughter the whole time her connection with Leia her connection with Han and so JJ did a lot of character building <laughs> let me rephrase that JJ did an insane amount of character building of the main characters but now with Ryan Johnson and company with episode 8 they're going to have to introduce new main characters expand on these relationships Bring in more Luke, maybe have more Leia, definitely have more Poe, more Kylo Ren. But they have to explain the political situation. I don't care if it's just a minute or two, but you need Princess Leia sitting everyone down early on in the movie saying, look, here's what happened in the first movie. We didn't see it coming. We got to regroup, and now we're going to do this. That would be the easiest way to solve it. And to be honest with you, the political talk in the prequels was not nearly one of the things that bothered me the most, you know? I mean, number one, it's just stiff. I think The Phantom Menace actually has the best practical effects and just gets more and more CGI and lame-looking as it goes along. Obviously, Hayden Christensen is an abomination of an actor, and that doesn't need to be explained. Natalie Portman was misused, mishandled, and misdirected. Right, this just feels like, you know, uh, like a TV adventure you'd see with these characters. But it's all about team building, and that's the thing people don't realize. You know, you may or may not like the aesthetics of this, you know, how they have these, like, right, they've got the competing clans, or clubs as they call them. Yeah, this looks totally Star Trek. I like it, though. I'm solo. You're a dead man. <laughs> No one cares about Balboa anymore. <laughs> Alright, here's the Kedja Club. <laughs> Han, Han doing his negotiation. This is so great. That's the thing. I mean, Ray, you know, Ray and uh, Finn have been carrying this so far, obviously. Along with BB-8. But... <laughs> 
<laughs> was not till now with Han Solo again owing people money and trying to lie his way out of it or negotiate his way out of it. <laughs> right, these guys look, 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 dressed like Klingons. <laughs> Tasu Leech. <laughs> Good to see him. <laughs> Wrong against Solo. <laughs> yeah. People were dying in the theater. Because you're so primed for new Han Solo humor. You don't think it's possible. We never thought we were going to get it, you know? Yes, twice. <laughs> Chewie even nods. Yeah. What was the second time? <laughs> yeah, that's an interesting thought. He says, there's no one left in the galaxy for you to swindle. Is he saying he swindled everyone? Or just that the, you know, the new version of the, the Imperials are... Like the Alliance and Serenity of Crackdown. Two fugitives. So this is a this is the connection scene. This is the, our two leads and the most popular character from the original trilogy going on a, a series of adventures together. That's going to define them all. So they release the aliens. Okay, so let's see how this holds up. I got a bad feeling about this. Oh no. Wrong fuses. Yeah, they were trying to lock in the, or lock out the other guys, and so they let go of the, the, uh, rank, what are they called? Not rank horse. Thugs clamoring. <laughs> this actually looks better than I remember in the theater. You know, sometimes it looks better on the smaller, slightly smaller screen, the much smaller screen. Boom. <laughs> oh yes, Indiana Jones. Feeds it right to the thing. I think if they just dialed back on it and made it a little bit less cartoonish, it would work. But I think because it's a Star Wars Disney movie, it couldn't look too horror-ish. You know, of co- we all know that you know Lucas changed the original films with subsequent releases of the original trilogy on VHS and then DVD. It's almost impossible to get the original versions. I think now you can but it's like a special order item. But during the beginning of Return of the Jedi, when they're, you know, rescuing Han, and uh, and then everyone gets captured, and they're all trying to escape from Jabba and his people, they're going to get thrown into the giant sand pit. And in the original version, it's just a giant hole in the ground with teeth, you know, and sort of a, a gullet. And then he had to add... You know, like a like a brontosaurus head that comes out uh, that came out in the redone version, and it's just less cool and it's less scary. It's better to just go minimalist. It's like the monster in the trash compactor. Boom! Oh, that was that was tight. Yeah, cut the arms off. Now is he holding anything there? Hard to tell. And no, I think it's all CGI. It's a similar effect to uh, during the Matrix Revolutions when Zion's being attacked and, and the various uh, Zion fighters are going through the tunnels and, and the, the squiddy bots are putting their arms with the spikes you know, through the, through the tunnels and, and skewering them and stabbing them. What they do is they have green-colored things, like arm things that come down, and then they, you know, or, or wrap them, you know, around them or in them, and then uh, overlay CGI later. It also helps the actors, you know, know what to be pushing off. Chewy. I mean, that's the thing. I actually like the freighter seed more, just, just because of the hot solo stuff. 
Oh, Unkar Plot. Okay, so that's the... I hate that guy. So people know who Unkar Plot is. He's the slave owner. He's the one who took Daisy Ridley, as we'll see in the flashback. Ray, that is. <laughs> but the thing is, he's not trying to act like 35-year-old Han Solo. He's trying to act like 65-year-old Han Solo. Oh, yeah, there's the training ball that you know Luke is getting shot with while practicing with the lightsaber with Obi-Wan in the first movie. Millennium Falcon can definitely take direct hits of, of, of handheld lasers. <laughs> burr, 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 compressor. So they jump from inside... Right, so... Oh, man. Not only do they jump from inside the... Uh, uh, not only do they jump from inside the freighter, but I think they went, like, through one of the monsters as they were... You know, what a way to go. Be hyperspaced. <laughs> All right. So, again, 30 years ago, this guy's name is Snoke, okay? I don't know much about him. Andy Serkis, it looks like a giant golem, (laughs) which makes sense because it's Andy Serkis. So 30 years ago, they destroy the Death Star, they uh, kill the Emperor, they kill Vader, they take out a bunch of the, the capital ships, but this guy Snoke was somewhere. Clearly old. He's clearly been around, you know, again, is imitating the Death Star model by making an even bigger one that's just made out of a planet. Oh, yeah, so as I was saying earlier, in the first Star Wars, it's not clear that Vader, they call him Lord Vader, it's not clear that he's the one fully in charge. Because even though he chokes out, or almost chokes out someone at the table, um, as I was telling you, who who mocked the, the Force as being, uh, you know, magic, right? There's been an awakening. Um, it, you know, Invader says, you know, the Force, you know, the power to blow up a planet is nothing compared to the power of the dark side. Chokes out the guy, but then Grand Moff Tarkin, who I think we're going to see in Rogue One, tells him to stop, and he doesn't choke out the guy. By Empire, they decided... Maybe it was just because they all died on the Death Star, and he was the leading officer. But, but for whatever reason, Lucas decide, and company decided that Vader would be unquestionably the Emperor's number two, and, and essentially the war leader for Empire and Return of the Jedi. Didn't feel forced at all. But it's interesting to think of you know him as Kylo is here, you know where Kylo is one of the leaders. He gets most of what he wants, but guys like Hux are not afraid to. Stand up to him. Nope, oh, here's the hyperspace, looking amazing. I actually think the uh, the warp with the new Star Trek Beyond, where they're in a bubble, is way cooler, as Matty G points out, because it, it is the most scientific. You you know, you're going way faster than the speed of light because you're creating a wormhole, and so being in a bubble, <laughs> this giant everything. Oh yeah, yells at BB-8. BB-8 runs away. You hurt you. You're gonna deal with me. You almost killed me six times. Oh. <laughs> Which is fine. (laughs) I mean, Han... (laughs) Look at her face. I buy best the compressor. (laughs) He's going, I don't know this girl, but I know what she's talking about. Move ball. I missed that in the original one. (laughs) Don't say that. You did great. Him and Boyega have... Okay, here it comes. Oh, uh, right, we see this in the original uh, Star Wars. The uh, holographic chess match. Right, fugitives, huh? 
Uh, <laughs> it's all on us. He's not the resistance. <laughs> I mean, he clearly, the way he plays it, is saying it with his face, I know he's not just because I'm Han Solo and I know when people are bullshitting because I'm the biggest bullshitter. We know he hasn't seen Carrie Fisher in a while. It's Princess Leia. It's hard to know what he knows in terms of on the ground. So, you know, the whole map to Luke Skywalker, again, as I mentioned earlier, it flows through the entire narrative, but it never dominates it. You know, they they tell the the, the bigger story, um, or I should say they tell the smaller story, but they make the smaller story the bigger story in terms of the development of these characters and, you know, taking on the First Order and, you know, the giant planet-destroying machine, um, Starkiller base... Right, here's the exposition about Luke Vichelli Temple. Right, right. Again, that 30 years later, people have already forgotten about the Jedi. I mean, this is exactly what happened between the prequels and the original trilogy. Which is what I keep trying to get to, which is that 30 years after the prequels, everyone's forgotten about the Jedi. It's true. Everyone's forgotten about the Jedi. The technology's way worse. Now we're another 30 years later. Everyone's forgotten about the Jedi. The technology's even worse knowledge more scattered i just hope you know there's some interesting sociological and his you know sort of uh meta historical ideas that you could get across in these movies um if you want to i don't think they're going that way i mean ryan johnson is definitely going darker and weirder with episode eight, but I don't think he's going to go more political. And as I was saying, my problems with the prequels in terms of politics, you know, my problem with the politics was that they didn't add up, not that there was too much time spent on them. I would have been totally fine with it. Through the first two, it it almost makes sense. And then, uh, I'm sorry, in the first one, it almost makes sense. And then in the second, in the beginning of Revenge of the Sith, when they're, you know, fake rescuing Palpatine from Count Dooku, and Revenge of the Sith, what it does right is after that says fuck it to the politics and just making an all out, you know, uh, Jedi Sith battle. Look how peace. She's never seen water or trees like this. Yeah, you know, she sells it just with a look. Solo. <laughs> Mr. Solo. You should know. I'm a big deal in the resistance. And he keeps calling him Mr. Big Deal, I think, but right the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> big deal. <laughs> Women always figure out the truth. <laughs> always. Wonder who Han's talking about. Exactly. If you want to handle yourself, you need a gun. Yeah. It's interesting. And then he gives the he gives the lightsaber to Finn. You pull the trigger. Yeah. Got lots to learn. Yeah, name. Yeah. He's digging real softly. Look at her. I love the way she looks at him. I don't think that takes much acting. This is just her with Harrison Ford. Oh, right. Yes, yeah, her to be the number two. Are you offering me a job? Yeah, it would be nice to you. It doesn't pay much. <laughs> You're offering me a job. <laughs> I'm thinking about it. <laughs> but she says no. He says no. You know, the one thing they do well is they they invert 
Luke and her motives. Luke wants nothing more than to get off Tatooine. She wants nothing but to actually go home and continue to be a slave and wait for her family. It's been programmed into her, I think. That'll be something that I'm sure people will start talking about next year as we get closer to episode 8, is her visions. Who left her there? Is she a Skywalker? Is she a Kenobi? Which is another possibility. I think that it was luck. Right. Yep. Han gets it again. This robot is amazing. It totally looks there. Oh, look at the flags. It's like tip to bet. This is so cool. Yeah, Han knows that they're going to find him here no matter what. I love the giant Maz Kanata statue. Right. They said she's running for a thousand years. Never heard of her before. And she said she's an acquired taste. I don't know why. She's highly appealing as a personality. It's just that she looks weird. Any of it. You think she's going to be so ugly. It was even weirder because I knew Lupita was doing the voice. Now, I knew it wasn't going to look anything like Lupita, but there was no... I mean, you know. A little bit of sloppy writing there. That's okay. This is blatantly a cantina scene. So I think we just get it all out of our system here. I love that Maz is involved in the... You know. Woo! <laughs> Maz just stops in the entire place. I'm like, yeah. Hey, Maz. <laughs> I actually really like Maz. It's all about the eyes. Where's my boyfriend? Chewy. <laughs> I like that Wookiee. Yeah, the glasses and the mouth. I think she looks great. I think she looks better than um, Big Boss Man from earlier on. That's just like a sex slave that we see in the... In Jabba's palace. I think they reuse a bunch of the stuff uh, aliens we see in Jabba's and the cantina. Yeah. So anyways, we got to get it all out of our system. We need to get the Luke, you know, the, the, the Luke Redux story out of our system. We need to get the third Death Star out of our system. We need to get the second Cantina, third if you count Jabba's Palace, out of our system. I found the droid. Here we go, the double-decker Star Destroyer. Okay, so here we are with Kylo Ren in the tomb or whatever of Darth Vader. Forgive me. I feel it again. This, to me, is the most brilliant uh, narrative stroke by J.J. Abrams and Lawrence Kasdan in this movie. And it is a little subtle, which is that Luke is tempted by the dark side in the original trilogy. Darth Vader is briefly seduced, as Kylo Ren sees it, by the light side, long enough for Luke to kill the Emperor and and essentially Vader. But, he says, I'll finish what you started. He's forgiven Vader uh, for his weakness. But unlike Luke, Kylo Ren is scared to go to the, the light side. That's his natural way of going. And that's what he's fighting against. Here we go. Skywalker. Boom. This looks great to me on this mall screen. You know, it's just the color. The, 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 the color and the texture is tough to do. No. <laughs> right. Oh, my God. Maz is trying to heal the rift. It does sound like a little bit of an African dialect. I don't know if they do that just because it's Lupita. What fight? 
Right. I think we know Maz is coming back. We know Lupita's coming back. She's going to be end up being an advisor to everyone, but especially Ray, I think, because she's the one who, who triggers Ray's memories and, uh, you know, her true heritage. We must face them. And this is why you don't need to explain the politics, because you have the good guys and the bad guys, and you have the emotional speeches, and that's all you need. No one can win. Right, you wouldn't expect a resistance fighter to talk like this. You know, she trusts him too much. <laughs> oh, here we go. This is great. She climbs on the table, adjusts the, the glasses. Solo. Oh. <laughs> Han Solo's loving this. You live long enough. You see the same eyes in different people. God, it's hard to believe this is Lupita and Nyong'o. Right, they see a man wanting to run. That's not a resistance fighter. Yep. Yeah. He says you don't know anything about me, but she's seen a million like him. Mm-hmm. They'll slaughter us. Yeah. Self-preservation. It's all about... It's all about Daisy Ridley with him. I mean, that's the thing. She needs to get captured so that he, he would fully give in. Yeah, I think the people, the reason people didn't like the Maz scene is because it seems like these two have just bonded, and now he's leaving all of a sudden. He's getting out. You know, it seems like a cowardly move. It does. It seems like a total cowardly move to do what he's saying he's going to do. But you know, when you've been brainwashed since childhood, oh, this is great, Han Solo. Keep the blaster. Yeah, keep it. Yeah. You know, it's true. I, I, he says to Maz, "You don't know who I am, what I've been through." But he, he's kind of saying it to Ray. All right, who's the girl? She's so clearly Luke Skywalker's daughter or, or niece or something. Has to be. Yeah, don't leave without me. All right. One of the challenges, actually, if you take out Poe Dameron, who we know is going to be big in the future, and they call him part of the big four, it's really these two and Kylo Ren are the main characters of the movie, with Han Solo as a close fourth, or fifth, if you talk about Poe. It's not like the Star Trek crew, where you have seven, eight, nine main characters you can, that you can run between. It's These two are going to decide the fate of the galaxy. Right here. This is it. I ran right into you. He admits it. Yep. And you looked at me like no one ever had. Yeah, this is that scene before. I got chills. God. What you can get with young actors who are this talented. Yeah, he's talking about the First Order. He's English-speaking in a great American accent. Yeah. Don't go. So why is she so attracted to the Rebellion? Because of Han Solo and, Her- and, uh, and Luke Skywalker, I think. You know? She loves those legends. And this will begin the discussion of, you know, we're going to see in like two minutes her memories trigger that she was left on the planet by people we don't know. But I think she, when she was a kid, before she was mind-wiped, she knew either who Han and Luke were, up here it is, or, you know, had heard of them in stories by the people protecting her. Um, I do think being a Kenobi would be a cool twist, but this is a case for me of 
doing the obvious, making her Luke Skywalker's daughter, or, or at least some kind of niece, that you, you should not resist the urge to do. Because who fucking cares? You know, it ruins the secret once, but on each viewing, we get to see her as fucking Luke Skywalker's daughter. That's what I'm always saying. First time through, these plot points, yes, are cool, but it's not what brings us back to it. Captain America the Winter Soldier has a very simplistic plot, but the reason we want to see it over and over again is because of Chris Evans, Scarlett Johansson, Anthony Mackie, Robert Redford, and so forth. When she started having this dream, and first of all, I'm thinking, is Maz Kanata actually behind some of these doors opening and so forth? I think I knew, okay, once I saw the case, I knew it was the lightsaber. I'm not sure what I thought before the case. unclear how it's the blue lightsaber which I thought Luke had gotten rid of this is what we call fetishism people and this is what makes Star Wars so great there's no object in the Star Trek universe that could ever hold the amount of almost orgasmic power of, of this so she touches it triggers her memories Okay, so now she's inside either the Death Star or a Star Destroyer. I think it's a Death Star. It's collapsing. Now she's on... Okay, so, I mean, is this supposed to be the end of Revenge of the Sith? See the hand. That's got to be Luke. People getting killed. Is this, is this episode three? Or did this... I mean, it, it seems like this happened again after Return of the Jedi, the same way it happened at the end of Revenge of the Sith. Right, there's Kylo Ren. Now come back. The girl looks just like her. Who are those people? Now she's in the woods. Right? Yeah. They, they're able to work in clips of both uh, Alec Guinness uh, and, and uh, Ewan McGregor, which is part of the, the Kenobi connection. And actually, if the Kenobi end up, Kenobi's end up having a complex and long uh, family chronology uh, that would be more interesting, and so I'd be totally cool. Right, now it calls to you. And this is what people don't understand about um, a couple of the characters in New Rogue One is like, you know, like the one, the the Asian guy's name, I'm forgetting, Donnie Yang, can fight, but he's blind. He's like, well, he's not a Force user, but you can be Force sensitive without being a Force user. It's like Daredevil, you know? Like, Daredevil can see the world around him without seeing it. Wow, Maz looks great. Maybe it's just because the Star Trek Beyond aliens didn't look, it didn't look so good. So she cries, but there's still someone who still could. She's talking about Luke. She's not ready to accept it. Yeah, there it is. God, this movie's good. Man, I'm, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give a nice intro in front of this. Every time I watch this movie, I appreciate it more. JJ had an almost impossible task. Right. There's a forest, and moves through living things. She feels it. Close your eyes. Maz can feel the forest, even if she's not a force user. She's force sensitive. Mm-hmm. The lights. It's always been there. Oh, this is beautiful. There's the forest music, which is probably the greatest uh, musical theme in the history of of cinema. This makes zero sense. 
there, there's no way to explain, you know, this blow up and, you know, crying fit. Uh, this was to serve a plot point. But look how intensely she runs, you know, she runs like a, not like a guy, she runs like an Olympic runner, you know. She's not like, oh my god, I'm running, oh my god, look at me running. She's just confused. Oh, here it is, Star Killer Base. The third Death Star. They can never pull this again. Okay, so here's Donald Gleason. Because this is filmed so well and the color filter is so fantastic, I'm fine with it. You know, it's not like the other admirals and generals in the various Star Wars films have been so three-dimensional. So they are talking about the New Republic. So the twist is that the New Republic has gotten beyond complacent to the fact to the point where there is a you know a rebellion led by Leia. It's the only reason the good guys stand a chance after all this. Here we go. Bring an end to the Senate, right? To their chair's fleet. You have to watch really closely here when this thing fires. Everyone will bow to the First Order. And remember this. Last day of the Republic. He's so good. I mean, that's the thing. I always say, you can have... Okay, and this is exactly like the first Death Star firing. But if you're going to be a one-dimensional baddie, it's all about performance. And Donald Gleason, uh, oh, God, melts the forest. That's how big the blast is. It is way cooler than the Death Star um, in that sense. But... I almost hope there's some kind of, not a joke, but that there's some kind of, you know, uh, revisionism within the history. Up oh, here it is. There's the lens flare. You know, going forward, it's like, how could we have let this happen a third time? You know, we can't keep let, letting them have super weapons. Oh, and they could see it, right. So a lot of people talk about the geography. There's apparently an atlas uh, that you can buy. Or, you know, a book that shows all the graphical stuff. Okay, so now it breaks into different stuff. Now watch. It's blowing up entire planets. You think this is Coruscant. I, I've been told this isn't Coruscant. I don't really know. You know, this looks like Starfleet Academy. I think we see the fleets. Oh, yeah, watch the fleets right here. All blown up. Boom. So apparently they're all based in the solar system with all their ships around. And that's it. That's the end of the New Republic, just like that. We gotta get some explanation. Ryan Johnson, please, please. The first order they've done it, yeah. This makes no sense. But the fact they don't make her cry is is good. Or it's not a weepy crying. So, I've talked before, but this is the perfect time. Daisy Ridley is the perfect young woman to cast in this role because she is attractive and she's very cute in both her looks and the way she carries herself and the way she talks, but she's not distractingly, you know, gorgeous in a way that's unrelatable to both men and women, or I should say boys and girls. She's like a regular girl. She's a badass cute. Oh, here's the apocalypse now shot with the TIE fighters coming. Yeah, baby. I think this is the best fight of the movie in terms of space battles. Here we go. You're right. She... Oh, where'd you get that? Look at the camera movement. I forgot how much camera's moving around here. Yeah, find your friend. 
that's the thing. She gives it to Finn, not because Finn's the one who should be using it, but because Finn is most capable of finding Ray. And if nothing else, the build-up to the final lightsaber battle at the end of the movie is all worth it. So we've got Maz's place. This is at least a thousand years old, maybe older. It's probably been destroyed. Here comes Booms, destroys Maz's statue. Here comes the Kylo Ren shuttle with the giant wings, you know. It's like, yeah, our technology's worse. Why don't we increase the mass? The safety. (laughs) Boom. Right, she can just do it. What? Oh, God, I just killed someone. Look at that shot. That was in the trailer. He didn't know what she was shooting at, but you knew you loved her. I bought a poster of Ray months before the movie. It, it's a drawing. It's not a photorealism. It actually is a younger version of her, although she has BB-8 in the photo, and there's, like, TIE fighters in the background or X-Wings, but it's definitely a younger version of Ray uh, with the staff. It's beautiful. It's just a great image. I mean, every single shot. Part of me thinks they spent months and months and months editing and re-editing this, and part of me thinks they just knew immediately on the first run, the first pass, like, this needs to be in, this doesn't need to be in. God, I had so much statistics and number stuff I wanted to talk about, but watching this now, (laughs) yeah, the no-look shot by Han Solo. I'm actually closing my computer right now. That's That's how in this I am. Okay, here we go. This is the thing that makes no sense. So he 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 kills a stormtrooper. Right. I need a weapon. You have one. He kills one stormtrooper, and then another stormtrooper has a kind of you know billy club that's strong enough to hold off a lightsaber. Makes no sense. Who cares? We got Han Solo with the blaster. Can I try that? Oh, this is great. He falls in love with the crossbow. Forty years later, with Chewie, he fa- yeah. <laughs> I like this thing. God, this Harrison Ford good. Boom, okay. Stabs the guy. You want to see more of that? Okay, yeah. A traitor. Okay, so how can this electrical device stop a beam of pure light? It makes zero sense. But they needed to do this to give him some lightsaber training so that he could fight Kylo Ren, so I'm totally fine with that. Look at how dark it is around there. I mean, you know. Boyega's uh, jacket and just his complexion is the only real color other than the fire. And I don't mean color because he's black. I mean just great skin tone. Boom! Oh, man. Is that the crossbow again? Yeah. (laughs) Okay, big deal, thanks. Oh, I think this is when they come. Yes, this is so great. The final battle can't hold a st- can't hold a candle to this. Oscar Isaac is back with a full force. They're coming in the water. You can barely see him. Oh, here comes the X Men. Hands come down. It's the Resistance. Yes. Along the way, the Resistance sounds better than Rebellion. It is actually more uh, politically appropriate for uh, S Wing foils. Don't let yeah. Yeah, we're with you, pal. Boom! Oh, God, this is so good, yeah. All right. Yeah, the TIE Fighters have no chance. If you ever played the game, the X-Wings are bigger, stronger, faster. Uh, or not faster, but just more powerful. Have shielding. Can take away more hits. TIE Fighters can take two, maybe three hits. Boom, it's down. They're going to start shooting at the troopers. 
Oh, yeah, baby. <laughs> I mean, it's so CGI, but it looks spectacular. So, okay, this is... Uh, nails it. Is this all Poe? Quick, quick. At some point, watch Poe. The, the X, uh, X-Wing takes out, like, 13 bad guys. All right. Gets the lightsaber back. And the blaster. Yeah, boom. Boom. Another blaster. He doesn't even know what to do. Lightsaber. Oh, yeah. Here we go. One, two, three, four, five... Six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. There we go. Thirteen. Yes. Yeah. That's one hell of a pilot. Woohoo! That was thirteen, just like predicted. Oh my god, I'm such a nerd. This is so good. God damn it. Right. So now we don't know if, if she's in her vision anymore, which makes this way more interesting. As I said, this movie made more money than all the releases of the original Star Wars combined put into the infl- inflation calculator. <laughs> made the most domestic money ever. Oh no, here's Kylo Ren. All oh, right, he does take her. So, yeah, that's part of his undoing is taking her. He thinks he can control her. Yeah. So people say, oh, you know, how does Ray go from here, from being horrified, have no idea how to fight, to be able to take on Kylo Ren at the end? But I think it's because fear, if you look at like the mutants and the X-Men, fear makes, I have so much to learn about, you know, fear and self-preservation bring out skills that you never thought you had. Look at her. God, is he good. You have to think that's Adam Driver in the costume, even with everything Oh, <laughs> that looks great. So this whole war scene here, which is the best war scene of the movie by far, we're going to see a lot of in Rogue One. He's trying to read her. He can't. She's, I mean, this is a rape thing. This is a Jessica Jones thing. It's like Kilgrave of Jessica Jones. It's a type of rape. I know it's not directly sexual, but... They didn't come with enough troops. They didn't expect the resistance fighters. We have what we need. He thinks she's that he doesn't need the map. Does he have a weird attraction to her? Does he know it's her cousin? Uh, his cousin? His sister? You know, his long-lost relative? Han sees it. He knows he can't stop it. Yeah, had to do it. But what's great is the damsel in distress... It, you know, it is exactly the opposite. She is not in distress. She's captured, and she's in a bad place. Look at Finn. Yeah. God, is John Boyega good? I think episode eight... Here's the thing. As great as this movie is, Rogue One and then episode eight... I can't speak to the Han Solo movie or episode nine, but episode eight it, next year and Rogue One this year are going to blow people away. In the Marvel movies, I don't care how many Avengers you have going on in a movie... I think Thor 3 is going to be incredible with Taika Waititi. The Star Wars movies, one a year, they're spectacular. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I could never do a Chewy accent. Here we go. God, I really hope we get more Leia. And I don't want to hear any comments about how she looks, people, okay? She gave so much of herself to these movies over the years. She's still giving her, herself to this. Look at this. Silence. Two, four, five. <laughs> See, the reveal kills the moment. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, is she hot young Princess Leia? No. She's beautiful, old, wise, powerful, amazing Princess Leia, and he's still attracted to her, and they, t- they don't even have to try. I don't know if these two have hung out at all. <laughs> you know, since the original movies. You changed your hair. <laughs> Same jacket. <laughs> this is great. No, new jacket. Oh, uh, gives Chewie the big hug. She looks great. I love Carrie Fisher. She's admitted she, they asked her to lose 40 pounds for the movie, and she agreed. She's not even upset. She's finally comfortable with herself. She has a well-storied... Oh, he saw the sun. Yeah. Well-storied history with drugs and weight problems. She looks fantastic. She's so subtle in her acting. I, I really hope we get more Leia, especially with Lou coming in episode 8. Here we go. Boom. So now they're coming to their home planet, but they're going to get followed, and they're going to have to try and save the home planet. This looks great. Battlestar pioneered putting tons of ships out, uh, CGI-wise, that looked like it was being populated by real humans. You know, I mean, all of this is a giant CGI shot back here with those ships, but man, does it look real. Oh, is this the Poe Dameron? <laughs> he sees him his butt. Look at his cute butt. Whoa. Oh, BB-8 notices him immediately. He could sense him. God, is Oscar Isaac a stud? What a good-looking guy. Jesus Christ. Here it comes. Poe? Poe? Oh, no. Oh, Poe Dameron, you're alive. So are you, buddy. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I just want to kiss you. No, you know ship, no nothing. You completed my mission. You complete me, Finn. That's my jacket. Oh, no, 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 no. It suits you. It looks good. Yeah. Good man, Finn. Yeah. I, I don't see the gayness. I think Oscar Isaac was screwing around a little bit. This just seems like buddy stuff to me. And there's some, always some gayness in buddy stuff, but yeah. There's no way Finn and Ray don't end up together in the end of these movies. It would be un-American. Oh, this is great. That that Leia just thanks him. Yeah. Right. I told her the girl. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Finn says he's like an inside intelligence officer. <laughs> and he worked in the garbage dumpster or something. Right. Oh, you know. And this is great. Chewie's telling stories to the doctor. Sounds very scary. Yeah. You must be so brave. <laughs> yeah. God, they, I don't know if they saved the Chewie. Uh, the same Chewie costume, it looks the same. And they're still trying to find Luke. Even his own sister and his best friend have no idea where he is. Right, we don't have enough information, Luke. Oh, come on, Master Luke. Yeah. Yeah. Don't do that. Do what? Anything. <laughs> Princesses. I'm trying to be helpful. Yeah. When did that ever help? And don't say the Death Star. <laughs> I love that these actors just embraced it. Oh right, R2 is the one who's ultimately able to uh, to project it. This is the passing of the torch, I suppose. So BB-8 is supposed to be 888 or BBB. I'm not really sure what they're trying to say. Maybe I should look that up. I've avoided the computer because, goddamn, I can't stop watching this fucking movie. It just gets better as it goes along. 
Alright, R2 will never work again until he solves the MacGuffin of the entire thing. Right, every time you look at me, you're reminding of him. This is... Yeah. Yeah. Couples have, you know, will blame uh, failures with children or deaths of children on, on splitting up. Yeah. All right, lost you both. So Abram said BB-8 is because it's almost an onomatopoeia. That's how he looked to me. Right, he looked like an 8. He looks like a figure 8, so they just said BB-8. We lost our son forever. Yeah, I like how they don't save it. Okay, so Snoke. We Okay, so we're going to find more about Snoke in episode 8. Oh, man, I can't wait. We're going to have to wait till a year and a half. Right, if Luke can reach him, how could I? Luke is the Jedi. You're his father. Boom. Yeah, I think I I had a feeling Han was dying in this movie. I had heard nothing about it. Again, back to the spoiler theory and the various levels of spoiler. I, I hadn't heard that Han was dying, but with this speech right here, and when it was confirmed that it's, you know, their son, who's Kylo Ren, it just seemed impossible, knowing Harrison Ford's not going to do this for three movies. He's going to throw himself into it for one, and that's it. Oh, this is great. Yeah, this is total rape shit here. You know, total rape shit, and this is total, you know, the fucking mind rapist isn't going to get what he thinks. Oh, he's just sitting there staring at her with the mask. It's so fucked up. The murderers. Yeah, he's honest. You'll be relieved to hear. I have no idea. Hmm, creature in a mask. Okay, so... Is this it for the mask? I think this is it for the mask. God, Adam Driver was such perfect casting. People know him as the goofy asshole turned good guy, boyfriend and girls to Lena Dunham. I don't... That's pretty much all I know. He's very funny. He's got a great look. He does look similar to Anakin Skywalker. I don't think that that is a coincidence. He's got a really weird voice. He's very sensitive and educated sounding. You know, he's not vulgar. In this speech, you, a scavenger. Yep. Oh, you know I can take whatever I want. There it is. Here it is. Here comes the mind rape. This is so important. You know, it's like this and Jessica Jones. I mean, that's it for for 2015. Women fighting back against these creeps trying to fuck with their minds. And they desperate to sleep. Oh, God. Oh, God. I see it. I see the island. That's where Luke is. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Non Solo. She already feels like Han Solo's a father. Right, get out of my head. This is it. So he thinks he can piece this together from the map in her head. This is just pure acting and filmmaking right here. There's nothing going on. But music, vibrational sounds, and two actors making facial gestures at one another. 
I mean, this is so Star Wars. You could not pull this off in any other property. You couldn't for this long. Look at it. He's still... You know, I mean, Lord of the Rings, I guess, with, like, the Palantir is, like, the one other time you see something like this. Never see this in movies. This is where she gets strong, and this is where he makes the problem worse, because she was a scared girl before, and now she's becoming a fucking badass warrior who's gonna haunt him for at least the next two uh, anthology movies. Oh. Almost sounds like the alien signal in contact on the radar dish. You, you're afraid. Oh, God, you're going on him. This is so good. Oh, you'll never be as strong as Darth Vader. Oh, shit. How does she even know who Darth Vader is? Who fucking cares? Yeah. He immediately runs. Yeah, and look look how the camera's being swung around. It's right in his face. He already looks like a villain defeated, but he's coming back. Right. Hux. Donald Gleason. Mm-hmm. Yep. Kylo Ren. You know, but what Hux doesn't get, as usual, is these two Force users, you know, have a long game that even Hux can't possibly imagine or be privy to. Right, prepare the weapon. It's just like prepare the star destroyer. Yeah, I can get it from the girl. I just need your guidance. Right. Bring her to me. Yeah, we're not going to see that. So the hardcore purists are like, okay, how can she suddenly, you know, use these force powers that we're familiar with? But it really comes down to a philosophy about, right, you'll move in these restraints and leave the cell door open. One interpretation is the Jedi have sort of a generalized sense of power, and they figured out how to use various Jedi mind tricks. But the other interpretation, which I, I have always supported and think that this shows, is that their particular abilities and strengths are built into them, and it's just a matter of realizing them. That's how Buddhism works. That's how Eastern philosophy works, and therefore that's how this would work. Oh, there's Adam Driver with the helmet on again. But she says it, what, one more time? Here it comes. Look, she's in total peace. Move these restraints and leave the cell with the door open. (laughs) these aren't the droids you're looking for (laughs) yeah I think again it's out of desperation they're saving her life that she came up with this shit (laughs) and I'll drop my weapon oh it's classic yeah yeah JJ was definitely the right guy to get for this you know he has the hardest task this might end up being the highest grossing uh, new Star Wars movie no no, no, no. Uh oh. Uh, he's gonna destroy the whole place. He's so past Kylo Ren. <laughs> and the stormtroopers. Uh, let's go the other way. <laughs> so apparently they have designations on their backs. So here's the weapon. They're charging the weapon. They're doing the whole thing. Just like the Death Star. But because. Uh oh, here we go. 
Because the effects are so different and so advanced now, they could get away with this one last time. But I swear to God, Disney, if you try this again, it's all over. Oh, here we go. Poe Dameron. Boom. Dropping it out. Yes, this guy. What's his name? Greg something. Greg, uh, he's a comedian. He was in Star Trek Beyond as well. This was the Death Star and the Starkiller base. It's like a thousand times bigger. Yeah, so it's big. <laughs> and Merle Akbar. Use the power of the sun. Yep. Yep. Yeah. It actually makes more sense than the Death Star because it, it, pulls, it pulls it from the sun as opposed to just generating some ridiculous amount of power. We're doomed. <laughs> How do we blow it up? There's always a way to do that. It's all very self-referential. I love it. I'm glad Disney let them do this. Yeah. Oh, this guy's good. Yeah. Did he make this up completely? Yeah. Or did he get that as part of being a... Uh... <laughs> I think Akbar is a big part of, the, along with Mon Mothma. He looks exactly the same. Younger version of the new movie. I don't know how they found her. I like this guy. Right, I have to be there. If I told you, you wouldn't like it. <laughs> the fact that they don't spend too much time talking about it makes it a little bit better, but, you know, it, it's ultimately still a Death Star. And the destruction of the second Death Star, and the Jedi, where they have to fly into it, with the Millennium Falcon and all the X-Wings is awesome. Boom, I love this shot. Yeah, yeah, buddy, let's do this. And then we find that, you know, <laughs> that, <laughs> that Finn has no idea what he's talking about. You know, however much we fought, I've always hated watching you leave. Right. So you missed me, yeah. They have true chemistry. It doesn't matter how old they are, what they look like. Right, it wasn't all bad, was it? Some of it was good. Pretty good. <laughs> yeah, you know this is the end. I love this. You still drive me crazy. The hug. Right here, this gives me chills every time. Oh, God. And there's the there's the Hanleia music. Oh man, <laughs> bring him home. Yeah, she basically presages his death. You know, I'm not gonna say she causes his death, but she's just beginning to test her powers. Yeah. So the question is, you know, when he strangled the guy earlier, when he heard that there was a girl, you know, who did he think it was? Just hearing a girl, like, why would it set him off so much? Now we're seeing why. We still don't know why Kylo Ren, uh, you know, reacted that way or knew what he knows. Yeah, this is so awesome. They're they're doing light speed straight into the planet. We saw something similar from Battle of Star Galactica and the new Caprica rescue, but damn oh, <laughs> I am pulling up. Dun, da, 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 da. Yeah. Boom, right out of the trees. 
Man, J.J. Abrams knows what he's doing with uh, space-based special effects. There's no two ways about it. Luckily, he's built an entire team, which is going to get carried forward. They almost went off the side of the cliff. Why not? Uh-oh, she's going to try to steal him. Han Solo. He can sense his dad. Did people really, I mean, did they really think people would think it was still a surprise at this at this point that that was the son of, of Han and Leia? How <laughs> was your job? Sanitation. <laughs> this is great. Yeah, I don't. Right, I'm here to get Ray. The galaxy's counting on us. What the fuck are you doing? Solo, we'll figure it out. We'll use the force. That's not how the force works. <laughs> yeah, Chewie's cold. <laughs> oh, this is great. Uh, the best, I'm not, the best sci-fi adventure movie is the humor just gets better as it goes along and it gets more dangerous. What a different role for for Donald Gleason. Boom. <laughs> yes. Nice. Yeah, you notice that there is more dynamic camera um, than the first couple times you see it when you rewatch it. And they hold the gun against her head, I think. Boom. <laughs> Remember me? <laughs> FN2187. I'm in charge. I'm in charge now. Phasma, I'm in charge. <laughs> bring it down, bring it down. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, that's you know there there's a funny um a fan made extended animated gif video uh of star trek in the, the star trek characters argue against the star wars characters about why, why one is better than the other but it's hard to deny that with star wars you can completely ignore technology at any point if it serves a character purpose and no one will give two shits whereas star trek people will analyze it to death so she's climbing down. I think they see her. Hard to know why all this futuristic technology has uh, handholds everywhere, but. Boo! Steam hissing. <laughs> Finn's still threatening Phasma. Chewie's the one she's really scared of with the crossbow. Yeah, he blow up all of them. So he says we won't leave here without her about Ray. Does she trick them? Yeah. <laughs> Garbage shoot, yeah. Trash compactor, another reference. Yeah, there is. God, Boyega's American accent is so spectacular. I mean, you never think about it for two seconds. That he, he just... I, I didn't even know for a while, actually, when I saw the early trailers and stuff. I didn't know. Oh, yeah, that's the guy from Return of the Jedi, or at least the species. Okay, so this is just another version of destroying the Death Star. But, you know, we get new angles. We get new pilots. I mean, it's way more dynamic, you know. It's clearly not models, but the CGI is on a spectacular level. Right, as many runs as we can get. <laughs> Here's like a... <laughs> 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 
this makes no sense to me. You know, they have a Death Star, you know, 30 times the size of a normal Death Star, and there's like 12 X-Wings, and they don't know what to do about it. I have to imagine there's some stealthiness or something going on with these X-Wings. It makes no sense that they couldn't defend themselves with like thousands of TIE fighters. The same window shots from the side that we always see in the, in the space uh, operas. You know, I was hoping for more Battlestar stuff where they would spin the ships around in, in realistic physics, but they're in atmosphere the whole time, so you don't really see it. Right, so the TIE fighters shoot green, even though the stormtroopers shoot red, but the X-Wings shoot red. Who fucking cares? Thing is, you almost want Han Solo to die. Not because you don't, we want less Harrison Ford, but just because you knew it would raise the stakes to a point that would, would drive the main characters to the rest of the uh, trilogy. Oh, yeah. What are you doing? There? What are you doing? Huh? What, 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 what this? What this? Huh? Huh? <laughs> yep, Ray's taking care of business. Finn can't believe it, as usual. He's the bravest and most courageous and brilliant and strongest they've got. Whoa. (laughs) Yeah, good. We came back for you. There's no way these two don't end up together. Has to happen. Oh. No one's ever hugged him before. I commented that uh, in one of the reviews. Look at his smile. He's never been embraced. Right, how'd you get away? I can't explain it, and you wouldn't believe it. Escape now, hug later. (laughs) Sage advice from Han Solo. Gives him the jacket so he won't be so cold. Uh, It's great. I mean, that's the thing. It's making it look like a war movie. Helps distract from the fact that this is just another Death Star run. And the fact that they're actually not trying to destroy the Death Star from the outside. They're just trying to distract long enough so them on the inside can do it. We finally have a female starfighter. Hope we would have more. Boom. Yeah, they're in big trouble. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. General. General Leia. She's fighting like... 40 fucking years later still against these assholes. Jesus Christ. I hope she makes it, even if she dies in, the fu- in episode 9, I hope she makes it to episode 9 to just see the fucking remnants of the Empire go down in flames. After everything she's been through, her family destroyed, her friends destroyed, innocent people destroyed. That's a tough shot to do right there, actually. I forgot about this part. You know, those little things, it moves so fast, yeah. Right, so a girl knows her stuff. She's a hacker, basically. I mean, she's, you know, she's like Sky and, and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. in the first episode, you know. She's just that chick. All right, here we go. All right, that's a better idea. You take your typo, go down below. That's it. Detonator. Good thing he gave it to Chewie. Good thing he gave it to Chewie, because he's not going to be able to do it himself. I mean, it's also predictable, but who fucking cares? Because it, it just it just touches you on such a deep level. 
the death of Han affects. I mean, he, he's here with Chewie, who he's known forever, and they're best friends. Who's obviously going to be torn up by this. He's here with Ray and Finn, who's only met him recently, but respects and, and loves him in in the small time they've been together. They're fighting together. Mm-mm. I forgot. Yeah, that he put the helmet back on. There's a little lens flare down there. <laughs> uh, I mean, JJ really threw the gauntlet down with this movie, honestly. He. Uh oh, there's the blast. You know? He, he may have not hit on every cylinder, but the most of the cylinders that he hit on, he destroyed, though. Including these dramatic moments between family members. This is really hard to top. I don't know what Ryan Johnson is going to do in episode 8 to top this. What are you going to do? A good father, a good but flawed father, an evil son. An evil son kills him. Tries to turn him. He tells his father he's trying to turn. But what his father doesn't realize is he's trying to turn from the good side to the dark side and not the other way around. Ben is an interesting name. Another clue about the Kenobis, perhaps. Uh? God, how do they make Chewie look so real? He looks exactly the same. Anzola. I've been waiting for this day for a long time. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know what to say during this scene. This is uh, this is epic. You have to have everyone see it. Giant bridge makes no sense. Yeah, no handrails, nothing. The face of my son. Uh oh. This is all manipulation to kill to kill Han. The thing is, he doesn't <laughs> definitively look not like their son. I can kind of see it, you know. He was weak and foolish like his father, so I destroyed him. Yeah, he knows Snoke's behind this all. We're going to learn a lot more about Snoke in Episode 8, there's no question. You know, J.J. was told to to seed it. Snoke is using you for your power, which is exactly true, which is always how it works with the Sith Lords. But the Sith Lords can understand that they're being used by the greater Sith Lords. Right, you know it's true. It's too late. Yeah. You're right. Come home. I really hope we get to see his descent into the dark side, even if it's in a weird flashback with Luke in in, uh, episode 8. Right. I'm being torn apart. I want to be free of this pain. He thinks the pain, or Han thinks the pain is the dark side pulling at him, but really the pain is... The light side. This is highly manipulative. You don't even see this in in the Star Trek movies at all. This is a complete Star Wars emotional manipulation. 
He drops the helmet. Looks at him. Brings out the lightsaber. They look in each other's eyes. Hands it to Han. Like he's gonna stop. Like he's gonna go away. Oh. And the light goes away. And it's just red and darkness. He's looking at his dad. Adam Driver just killing it. Uh, no. They know it's gonna happen. Oh! <laughs> There are definitely worse ways to die physically, but you're being your son. Oh my god, thank you. I think Leia feels this back at home, right? Puts his hand on his face. His son. This is what the Force can do to you, you know? And they're trying to complicate it productively the same way they tried to complicate it productively in the prequels. They're trying it again in a new way. Oh, Leia can feel it. Pond's dead. Oh, I love that she's still wearing the general's clothes. It's awesome. Look at her. Oh, man. Yeah. Okay. So this is important. So Chewie shoots him in the side with a crossbow, which isn't going to kill someone like Kylo Ren, but injures him enough so that John Boyega and Daisy Ridley have a chance of hitting him later. Oh, here comes the bomb. Boom. Chewie doesn't even care at this point. He just wants to kill everybody. Yeah, I mean, this is it. I mean, this has been Chewie's life for 50-plus years. He's been with Han Solo. He sees the two of them. Here's the big three. We're going to see more of Poe Dameron in, in episode eight, but the, for this movie, these are the three. Oscillator's been damaged, but still functional. Weapon will fire two minutes. God, it's going to be... The thing is, as much as I love Ro- the idea of Rogue One and everything I've seen, and this is great, the sort of Harry Potter woods here, it's again going to be the Death Star, you know? It's just obsession with a giant sphere of power. Here we go. This is it. This is it. This is the... This is the sell point of of, of the series. If they screwed this up, regardless of all the great entertainment... An interaction that we've seen up to this point. If it, if they don't nail this, you're a monster. It's just us now. If they don't nail this, you won't get the full buy-in. He's hitting his side. With the blood's coming out where he was hit. Showing that he's not scared. What I love about this is this is the classic, you know, female fights for two seconds and gets destroyed by the male. You know. Oh boy. Traitor. Oh god. This is so good. I could literally watch this five or ten minutes over and over again. John Boyega with the lightsaber. I hope we see this again. I don't Yeah. That lightsaber. Come get it. Oh. So I was trying to say much earlier as the cross guard is so when you're fighting someone in a sword fight, if the sword slides down your sword, it stops at the cross guard. 
he's still hitting himself. I love it. You know, otherwise it would just keep sliding. If it was just a straight sword, like with John Boyega's, it would just keep sliding down until your arm broke off or whatever. That's the whole point of the cross guard. Energy crackling. Fin grunts. Oh, man, this looks amazing. Uh, it wakes up. Daisy Ridley. Oh, no. Oh, God. Yeah, Finn's just doing this out of sheer rage. Hits him in the shoulder. Boom, boom. Oh no! Oh no! He's got nothing now. Oh, and he hits him in the back. Yeah, yeah. They had to have Finn injured. They had, you know, to. uh... Oh, he's trying to call to it. He's trying to call to Luke's lightsaber. Why? Why is he uncertain? Why is it not coming? Whoa, buy him. Oh, <laughs> to Daisy Ridley as Ray. Oh, shit. God, I love the Jedi theme. I could. Oh, yeah, baby. Here we go. This is it. This is it. You're in the theater. You're like, any minor problems I've had are completely gone in my brain. I'm not thinking about it. They're knocking down trees, doing the lightsaber battle. Oh, yes. This is the thing about Star Wars. This is as much fantasy as sci-fi as we've talked about before. Here's the sci-fi, but the fantasy is the best part. Jess. Oh, wow. Her name's Jess. All right. Yeah. Oh, they do actually destroy it. Right. Chewie blows it up enough so that they could go in. I'm totally fine with this. I could see this over and over again. Because as long as you have new characters and new drama and, and new plot points, you know. The, the goal's always going to be to d- destroy the big technological monstrosity, you know. Oh, no. Shit. They got nothing. I mean, after this and the New Republic being destroyed, I mean, the Resistance has, like, almost nothing. I don't know how they're going to start Episode 8 from a political, military standpoint. 30 seconds. Yeah. Prepare to fire. Yeah. It's not Donald Gleason's fault, you know. I mean, that's what he's there for. Boom. I just think even though J.J. grew up a huge Star Wars fan and not a Star Trek fan, in some ways his aesthetic uh, insensibility works best with Star Trek. You know, this is totally like I'm a fanboy from childhood and I'm going to try and recreate the thing that i done. Boom! Oh, that looks amazing, though. The fact that we get to see it on planet, it, it, it makes it way cooler. They're jumping out. Yeah, the whole thing's going under. These two are still fighting. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. That's why you want the cross guard. But, you know, it's going to be heavier, and it's going to be more unwieldy. And for someone like Ray, that's an advantage. Here we go. Boom, boom. Knocks the tree down. Lightsaber's humming. You know, I mean, this is most like Vader versus Luke in Empire Strikes Back, I think. I, you know, there's a lot of comparisons to the first movie with Luke and the final movie with the second Death Star, but this right here is really just a nature version of what went on with Luke and Vader 
you know, in Cloud City and Empire Strikes Back. I mean, she's falling off the edge here just like Luke. The only thing that doesn't happen is losing her hand. You need a teacher, right? Yeah, I can show you the ways of the forest. Look at her. The forest. Oh, yeah. And this is where Maz Kanata comes in. This is where Maz told her to close her eyes and feel it. She didn't do it before, but now she's doing it at her, you know. Most needed moment. That's why Maz is going to be huge going forward for her. Boom! Oh, shit! Yes! Boom! Oh! Mm! Mm! Boom! 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 God damn! Oh, cut him! Oh, hit him in the shoulder! Got the shoulder, the leg. Here we go. Here we go. Boom. Kicks him down. That's the thing. That's the problem with good Jedi. Is they'll never take out the bad Jedi. Even though they should. Hold her. They're going hand to hand. Physical strength. Here comes the broadsaber across the snow. Boom! Oh, shit! Oh, fuck. She just fucked his ass up across the face. Oh, man, the scar. Okay, so this is the most, you know, the most convenient. Uh, it's like in The Return of the King when the when the earth crumbles and all the bad guys go into the ground and it happens to stop where the good guys are. <laughs> you know, a little too convenient, but you had to do it. You had to do it. You had to do it. You had to end the fight without one of them killing the other. Um, and yeah, for sure, Donald Gleason gets away here. Hux is gone. I think they even say Hux is gone. <laughs> even Hux is gone. Right, he's talking to Snoke here. Yeah, they have to get Kylo Ren. It is time to complete his training. So they can make him more evil, but is he going to be more subtle? Yeah, we know Finn's not dead. <laughs> I mean, we know John Boyega's all over episode eight. You know, he's going to have a little bit of recovery. He'll be in the, you know, the water pod or whatever they do. This is a great shot here. Her crying, the light coming. There's the Millennium Falcon with Chewie. To rescue them. God, is he loyal. Because this is exactly what Han would do. This is exactly what Han would want to do. Save these two. Yeah, put them down. Okay, here we go. So, what's so interesting about this movie is we are at almost exactly two hours. And you think it's over. They're blow- they blowed up the planet. They lost lots of bad guys. You know, we still got some good guys left. They destroyed the planet. It's gone. Starkiller base. We have to assume that this was a last desperate attempt of the former remnants of the Empire to pull off a Death Star type situation. They killed a lot of the New Republic. Okay, we move on from here. Here it comes. Boom. You have like seven X-Wings and the Millennium Falcon. Let's go home. I love the choice 
of how to end this movie. I did. I was like, where is Luke? We haven't seen him the whole time. But it's not just the the Luke reveal. It's that they're okay. They're ready for Finn. They're taking him to the base. He's hurt. We know he's not dead. Chewie's helping, and this is great. This is a moment of female empowerment, awesomeness. I love this. Yes, Curry Fisher, fucking Daisy Ridley, Ray, and Princess Leia bonding over, you know, the men that they love together. This got to be family. It has to be. It has to be Aunt Aunt Auntie here. There's got to be something going on. They hug each other. Oh, it's so good. Oh, man, I'm almost crying. Honestly, I'm honestly crying. Look at that ring on Carrie Fisher's fucking ring finger on her right hand. It's beautiful. Yeah, and they're playing the, the Leia Han music. No, actually, no, this is the straight-up Princess Leia music, I believe. Oh, yeah, R2's back to life. Oh, this is great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. JJ had to set up the next movie. Why not, though? You know? I mean, what a small price to pay for being able to do this. It's like, yeah, you, you've just spent the last five minutes setting up the next movie. You know, that, that's our only condition. You found what? How dare you call me that? He smacks him. <laughs> right, R2 has the key. General. I love that she's a general. It shows how desperate the situation has gotten. Tell me. I think she's so good. I don't know how people didn't love Leia in this movie. She's so Star Wars. I mean, she feels exactly like older Leia at Star Wars. Here we got the star map. Alright, buddy, hold on. Yeah, here we go. Here he goes. He gives him the chip. Boom. Yeah. They've been storing it. They've got the finished piece of the map. Oh, they know where Luke Skywalker is. This is going to change the face of the entire battle. Boom! The map is complete. Hey, Luke. We better get some brother-sister stuff. My sister has twins. They're about eight months old. I fucking love them. I love my sister. We've been considered twins before. They're going to pretend Finn is is mortally wounded. He'll be back. But I want Luke Leia stuff in episode eight and or episode nine. They better give it to me. As much as I love these young actors, I want to see it. I believe that. Kiss him on the forehead. Thank you, my friend. God, this is good. I got, I have chills. I've had chills for like the last 20 minutes, honestly. I can't believe that this movie is doing this to me. It's fucking Star Wars. Yeah. It's the thing. You, get, you grow up watching Star Wars on TV, and so when you see on the big screen, it's... Ray, may the force be with you. Look how regal she looks. God damn it, Princess Leia. Fuck yeah. Yes. Ha, 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 ha. Yeah. So here it is. Here's the trip to Luke. And I think episode 8 is going to start exactly at the beginning. Or I should say, it's going gonna, it's gonna to start exactly where the sun's. In the um, Irish. The Irish Irish. Irish Isles. The Isles of Ireland. Bam. 
Alright, so in hyperspace, we're going. We got Chewy, we got Ray. She's got a new suit. Still looking great. Boom. Jumping through the hyperspace portal. And out and mm, blue planet with islands and atmosphere. It's kinda beautiful. It's a Ray theme. Look at Chewie looking at Ray. What a great touch. You know, seeing, uh, yeah. I mean, you know, Chewie knows Luke. So, uh, if you've ever been to Northern Ireland before, you could clearly tell that this is Northern Ireland and they've been up and about it, but who fucking cares? It looks great. These sorts of rock formations, I mean, you couldn't put together even if you wanted to. You know, in Marvel movies, they would put this in, like, the mid-credits scene. And I love that in this Star Wars movie, first of all, she's back to the staff. Uh, they put it at the end of the movie instead of the mid-credits scene. Because, honestly, we're just, we're like two hours and five minutes. Let us see it. We know where she's going. Oh, God. You know, and now that she's experienced the Force, it's not just a matter of Luke being a, a myth and a legend anymore. It's a reality she has to experience. Yep, this is Ireland. It's fantastic. Here we go. In the robe. Look how they shoot this. This is so cool. I mean, this is so ridiculous. If this was anything but Star Wars, you would laugh at it, but instead it makes you want to cry. It's Luke fucking Skywalker. With the metal hand. Oh, Mark Hamill. She puts away the spear. Pulls out the lightsaber. The blue one. The original one. Here's the forest music. spinning shot this gets better with each rewatching. i remember the first time being like really this is boom kasdan abrams and who abrams whoever that guy was god bless kathleen kennedy oh man what a great movie maybe i'll add some ending to this at some point at the moment i just want to go to you know, go to sleep with these brilliant memories. Edit this later. Give this to you. Music by John Williams. Okay, just kidding. I want to hear the music. Just we think John Williams can come up with anything else brilliant. The Ray theme is so good. Lucasfilm production. Bad Robot production. For better or worse, Star Wars, Star Trek, kind of the same. 
Umbrella, thank you so much for listening to this. I cannot wait for Rogue One. I think that's going to end up being my favorite Star Wars movie of all time. Maybe I'm getting ahead of myself, especially because I spent an entire mini podcast uh, lamenting the state of it. But I think Star Wars is going to go all the way and make it into the dark Star Wars war movie that we've been hoping for. Industrial Light and Magic, so many great people behind this. Glad you all love this movie as much as me, and I will talk to you soon. Bizzle out.